Revolting is produced by The Cycling Independent, with the support of subscribers like you and additional underwriting from Shimano North America. We are community-focused, community-supported, and dedicated to the whole of cycling. Always remember, at The Cycling Independent, if you ride bikes, you're one of us. is revolting steve and robot on the cycling independent episode 66 yumming someone else's yucks and content warning we're obligated to tell you that you're now walking through the beaded curtain the back room is full of adult nonsense there will be bad words and we're likely to get uncouth the funny thing about mature content is how immature it can be and it will be if you're not into that, turn us off now. Thank you. And that was revolting. <laughs> Good morning, robot. Good morning. Good morning. Listeners. It's uh, middle of February today, and uh, what is it? We're, the, we're on the 66th episode of this slow 67. motion car crash. 67. The last one was 67. 66. Oh, it it's... says 66 in the, in the notes. No, it doesn't. It does. This is revolting with Stiefel and Robot on the Cycling Independent oh, episode no, sixty six. You stupid <gasps> douchebag! <laughs> you know, I talked with a bunch of people. So we the two episodes ago, we spent like twenty minutes blathering about you having the wrong notes. And I was telling the people, they were like, "Oh, it was fine. It was kind of funny." And I was like, "It wasn't funny. It was us being just incompetent." Totally. And I went totally and I wanted Steve to let it go and just go with the flow, and he wouldn't do it. And they were like, "Oh no, it worked. It worked. It worked." And then I was like, "Well, I won't make that mistake again." But see, that's the thing is, is I like I I don't really read the notes. I mean, sometimes I just sort of glance over them. But to have something in front of me, it gives me it gives me it's it's like a security blanket. Kind of. It's just something to hold on to, to give me some direction. So I put the right number at the top, but then in the uh, this other part, I right. left last week's number. <laughs> and like, this is the week that Steve has turned into an eagle-eyed copy editor proofreader guy. Okay, 67. I can't believe I, I just glazed over 66, you know? Like, that's, that's two-thirds of the beast. I didn't say it, anything about, th- about that uh, before. I know. I thought about trying to work some sort of 666 thing into last week's intro, but I was like, no, it's too cheap and too easy. But maybe you just shouldn't miss an opportunity. I don't know. Well, I feel, I guess it wasn't that important because I didn't, I didn't catch it at all last week. So um, anyway, okay. 67th episode. We're uh, yumming someone else's yucks. We we talked uh, briefly, had a little... I guess editorial meeting and we're talking about, I was just thinking about pet peeves, like things that totally, uh, light a fire under me and things that for whatever reason or another bug the absolute shit out of me. And, and like, I think the, I think the pet peeve conversation is really funny because you can have that with someone and you really, uh, begin to break down you know, somebody says like, I, I just, I cannot listen to people eat 
<laughs> you know, and so I, mean, <laughs> I think, okay, you know, that's reasonable, but, but I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of out of left field, but it's also, you know, this is the thing that sticks in somebody's craw. Uh, and in, in, in inversely, there could be all manner of things where you say, like, you know, what's something that totally lights a fire under you? And you just say, like, you know, fucking uh, matchbooks and swizzle sticks. I don't know what it is about these things, but I just absolutely love them. I collect them, you know, whatever it is. Just the. That's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm just picking those. I don't have a thing for matchbooks or swizzle sticks, but. I, well, I have a thing for matchbooks, but th- uh, that's okay. Um, uh,. Yeah, I like the idea because I have so many pet peeves and they're all bullshit. Like, you know, like I can't listen to other people eat. Well, you're going to be around other people eating all the time. It's all, like, it's like one of the things we like one of the three things we have to do to survive. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and th- th- I should be clear, that's not one of my pet peeves. Although my kids can eat chips and popcorn and things louder. <laughs> Louder than anyone. Like, if you're trying to watch TV at my house and it's snack time, forget it. <laughs> forget it. <laughs> and my dog can lick himself louder than the kids can eat chips. Oh, yeah. You've mentioned that, uh, like, morning time when it comes Django's bath time, it's basically like you have to you have to put him in the next county. Well, yeah. Like, he always wants to sleep in our bedroom with us. And... First of all, I should say I'm not a dog in the bed person, uh, and there are reasons for that. That's not what this conversation's about. I have no issue theoretically with the dog being in the room. Like our old dog used to sleep in the room with us, but our old dog didn't choose 4 a.m. every morning for bath and scratch time. <laughs> Whereas Django will spend a solid half hour. Like I can roll with the punches, right? Like. You know, if I'm if I'm staying with my buddy Steve and Steve gets up at four to, you know, scratch and lick himself for three or four minutes and then go back to bed, I'm fine. I'm cool. Like, that's what Steve does. No big deal. But my buddy Django spends a solid half hour. It's like it's like you had an alarm that was just mouth sounds. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I wouldn't be able to go to sleep. Just with the anticipation, kind of like the uneasy anticipation that, well, I, I, I know it's coming, you know, like it was, it was yeah. would you rather where you say like, would you rather go to like get punched in the stomach before you go to sleep or get punched in the stomach the second you wake up? And I, yeah, I, or something along those lines. And I, and I said that I would rather get punched in the stomach, like as I was going to sleep, because there would be such an abundance of an- nervous anticipation or, or, uh, uh, I can't even think of the the re- reluctance or something. Dread? You're just dread, you ca- kind of yeah. Where you're just you're thinking, I'm I'm gonna go to sleep now, but I know in six hours I'm gonna get socked in the stomach, and I just can't, you know. And every time you woke up or every time you stirred, you think like, oh, is it coming? It would just that would just wig me out too bad. Yeah, well, well letting Django into the room for the night is a little bit like that. Like, I almost never let him sleep in the room, but he's deathly afraid of thunder. Um, And when it's when there's a thunderstorm, we let him sleep in the room and he basically like slinks, slinks in and like half buries his head under the bed. Um, 
but then you're letting yourself in for like the half hour lick sesh. Yeah. Uh, and it is a bummer, but I mean, I'm like, I'm, I'm, it's a, one of the few instances in my life where my compassion overwhelms my irritation. That almost never, that inversion never takes place, but I love Django so much. You just, that, you got to let him have it. I just got to let him have it sometimes. And, like and you know, I, I've said before, you know, you, you know, you're not going to have this forever. So even the, the annoying things are kind of endearing. Because I mean that's my that's my take on it. Django and there's a there's a pun here about pet peeves, um, but oh, Django. Good catch. Yeah, yeah, that's the kind of sparkling magic we do on this podcast. <laughs> um, Django is gross. Like very regularly, we we say, "How is it that we love this animal?" so much and he's so gross yeah. and i i think i don't know what this is the like perversion of love where like he will come up and begin to lick my face and it's gross but i let it go on and on and on because i love him so much and one of my favorite things to do is bury my face in his smelly head and I just like rub my face on his head and he he purrs kind of like a cat. Like he he. He's a very rewarding dog. Because he will <laughs> snuggle you and love you. That's uh, that's the magic of that's the magic of pets. I mean, they just, you know, it's like an extension. It's a, he's a smelly extension of you. He's your smelly shadow. It's it's he, it's amazing. I was thinking about animals this morning and how this is the first time and shit 20 years over 20 years i've not had an animal and mm. it's such a bummer but also there's a ton of freedom because i can just bail whenever yeah. i want to and so uh anyway uh we're burning a little bit of daylight here uh so yeah pets are awesome yeah. um <laughs> Established fact. Okay, got that handled. Uh, let's do uh, music. Let's do a music pick. Just no transition from one thing to the next. We're just yeah. jumping right in. Music pick. Um, <clears throat> my pick this week is the album "Wonderful Rainbow" by the band Lightning Bolt, and this maintains a uh, a motif in the revolting music picks of two two person bands. Mm. Um, so lightning bolt is probably, I think apex noise rock. It's sort of like, um, well, there's a bass player and a drummer, uh, the bass player play. I'm not sure all the strings are on his bass. Maybe they are some of the time, but maybe not some of the rest of the time. Uh, they started at RISD, the Rhode Island school of design. Uh, and they have continued to do what they do for a long time. I think Lightning Bolt is kind of um, the test case for listenability in the sense that um, so the, the music they make is not very accessible to most people. And so... Whether you're going to like noise rock as a genre or not, I think can kind of turn on whether you can find good things in Lightning Bolt or not. 
this album, Wonderful Rainbow, is their most accessible record. <laughs> okay. Where are they from? I'm not, I don't think, I thought I knew what you were referencing, but now I, I have no idea what you're referencing. I don't know anything about this band. They are from Rhode Island. Okay. Um, the, I sent you a video of them at Taiko Club in Japan. And so one of the things about Lightning Bolt is they don't play on stages. They put their, they set up down in the crowd. Yeah, I do so like that. What's that? I do like that. Yeah, so there's a video on YouTube. This is really a powerful thing, actually. <clears throat> it's for the song Dead Cowboy. And they're at Taiko Club in Japan. And it's this massive, seething crowd all around them while they play this just rip-roaring song. And everyone is sweating and tense. Like, the energy in it is over the top. Mm. And... um the drummer sings. He wears a mask that looks a little bit like a cross between a Lucha Libre mask and a serial killer mask. And the mask has the microphone kind of in it. Um, and it is low fidelity, <laughs> to say the least. Um, not all their songs have singing. A lot of them are just like crazy riffs. It's very frenetic music. I like to listen to it if I'm if I'm riding a trainer inside. Uh, it's really good trainer music if you're trying to go hard on the trainer. Mm, I very okay. seldom am doing that because I greatly prefer outdoors to in indoors, but um, it is amazing. Okay. And, and I don't remember... I don't remember the video. I don't remember anything. I, like, I feel like you were, you're having a conversation with me thinking that you're having a conversation with somebody else. Cause n nothing that you're saying is ringing a bell. Well, what I can tell you is much like our earlier establishment that pets are rad. Mm -hmm. uh, you now saying you don't remember something that was <laughs> very clearly a thing that happened in our relationship <laughs> is also not a newsflash. <laughs> And uh, a thousand it's getting, percent, it's getting when worse. I show you this video again, you're going to be like, what? Oh, yeah, of course. Or. And you got your car stolen at the Guar show. <laughs> it's going to be that moment for you. Or it'll be something that I've never seen before. And I will contend <laughs> until my last breath that you that, that nothing that you say ever happened. That's true. That could uh, happen. Okay. Uh, Lightning Bolt, Wonderful Rainbow, two-person band, which we're both fans of. Uh, I also love alternative venues and alternative performance uh, efforts, uh, you mm. know, like playing in the pit or uh, playing in a laundromat or playing on a riverboat or playing, you know, uh, in a, uh, a power station or steam plant, uh, you know, mm. like uh, a junkyard. Like those, uh, those were, those were shows that I always like, those were the types of experiences that I always really appreciate. And I also, <clears throat> Relatedly, love bands with two drummers. I think that's a really cool aesthetic. Oh, uh, Dirt Bombs is one. Uh, yeah. You know, Melvins have been playing with two drummers for a long time. I, I just yeah. think that's super cool. Maybe a little extraneous uh, is, is the term, a little unnecessary, but I think it's awesome. Anyway, whatever. Doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, <laughs> it all my, matters. It all my, matters. My music pick of the week is uh, I just went and bought a bunch of records. And as soon as I sat down, I sat down in my dumb little closet and I had the recording software open and I had Skype open and I had the notes open and I had an email that I sent to myself this morning open. And then uh, 
And then I realized I didn't have a music pick. Like I put all of my toys into their proper places, except for one half of the component of what we talk about. Uh, so I had to scramble and robot reminded me that a record that I just picked up this week is uh, the studio album by High on Fire called Divermis Mysteries. Uh, came out, I think, in 2012. And if you, I mean, what can be said about High on Fire that hasn't been said? They are the mas- masters of their genre. Uh, mm. p- perfect metal, sludge, eerie, uh brutality. And uh, you know, this record's no different. It's maybe not the kind of music you want to put on when you're making sweet love with your partner. <laughs> or or it is. Yeah. You know, I'm not the bossy you or anyone. Uh, so that's it. Divermis Mysteries by High on Fire and Rainbow Bliss by the <laughs> Bolts of Lightning. <laughs> uh, lightning Bolt, wonderful rainbow. Jeez. Okay. <clears throat> This episode. What's this episode about? <laughs> you know, sometimes I just want to live. I just want to live in the revolting podcast. I just want to live in a dumb space where nothing matters and everything's funny. That's this, just. This is our one hour a week where nothing matters and everything is funny. I mean, to us, you know. Well, I mean, I think I told you like last week we reco- recorded and we do this typically where we <laughs> stop record. We finish the episode and then we just talk for a while. Mm-hmm. And I think I told you that this is one of the most relaxing hours of my week um because oh, damn. because so many chuckles wait um, but you you said that you don't remember any did you say that when you sent me the lightning bolt video do you know my name <laughs> yeah. I, I swear to god like i haven't you know knock on wood but i haven't had a lot of concussions <laughs> I doubt that. I don't. Go on. I mean, I probably had a couple concussions. Mm. I think I probably have over the course of all of my years. And, but I feel like increasingly, I'm, I don't know if I have like some onset of some incurable disease or something. But like more time, the more time that goes by, the more I feel like Gilligan after he got hit on the head with a coconut. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know anything. I can't remember anything. I'm just overwhelmed with information and nothing makes sense. Yeah, I can relate to that. I can relate to that. I don't want to go too far down this rabbit hole either, but do you feel like that show overused the coconut as a plot device? No. Okay. No. Let's get back and to what we were talking about. Then. It's absolutely entrenched in like our generation's lexicon. Like if you say that you got hit on the head with a coconut, everybody knows exactly, exactly what you're talking about. Oh, we can make a radio out of coconuts. Of course you could. Okay, Professor, you know, and, uh, you know, Ginger and Marianne, both, you know, lovely and, and well, and I Dream a Genie. Like, there were a few women in my formative years that I saw on television where I was just enamored. and, and And I never understood Ginger, obviously, in her sparkly gowns and her, you know, glamorous ways. Uh used her sexuality to to control poor impressionable young Gilligan. Sure. And she would like move in for a kiss and he'd run around and turn into a palm tree 
and then he'd lose his memory and then they would, and then the episode would start or whatever, you know, and I just like that was always something that I was so perplexed by. Mm. I wanted her to want to kiss me as well, but I was also terrified of the idea of being kissed. I think I, I yeah, probably. But was there also some sort of like um, deep, deep homoerotic thing between Gilligan and the Skipper? No. What? No. Get, get out of here. No. No, probably. <laughs> no, I don't know. I don't know. I never I never picked up on that. But, you know, I'm just we like have, a... We, we slid right off the rails right in the first turn on this episode. <laughs> have you ever heard a song called Stairway to Gilligan's Island? No. Oh, Google it. It's amazing. <laughs> <clears throat> That's my other music pick for the week. <laughs> Stairway to Gilligan's Island. Yeah. It's a banger. <laughs> I'm going to look it up. Man, we are so off track already. Let's okay, let's let's get back on or do we have a a word from something we need to break for? Yeah, that's a good idea. Let's beg okay. people for money. Oh, that's what we're going to do. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Uh Chuck Woolery, 2 and 2. Oh, hey, it's story time with Steve. -O. In 1992, I lived in Denver with a couple of bike punks named Mark Dickerson and Dave Strunk. They were both ex-messengers who worked in shops around the Denver area. And one thing that Mark imparted upon me was sort of the importance of Shimano as an entity in the industry. He would go on at length about the painstaking efforts they would put into every product they brought to market and his enthusiasm for Shimano as a company, as well as the products that they made, was undeniable and infectious. It was really at that point in my relationship with it as a company that I fell in love and I never looked back. So forever and ever, happily ever after, Steve-O and Shimano sitting in a tree. So All right. this episode, it's about the little things we like. Maybe you don't like them, and that's okay. Maybe you like some stuff that we don't like. Yeah. And that's okay, because uh, clearly Robot and I are of one brain, and we like and don't like all the same stuff. Uh, we're not yucking other people's yums, uh, kink shaming, none of it. Unless you're a pedophile, in which case, fuck off. We're yumming their yucks. We're trying, for once, to keep it real positive. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I didn't read that part before I told him put pedophiles to fuck up but what i mean i think everybody can agree on that yeah i mean i think that's the one place where you're allowed you're very uh strongly encouraged to yuck someone else's yum you know there's a there's an instagram feed and a twitter feed called mug shotties and they're <laughs> really it's really funny it's all just attractive women uh mug shots of attractive women with the you know what they were arrested for yeah and I was encouraged by a recent one of this young woman uh, who had like engaged. She was a high school teacher and she had a relationship with uh, one of her students. And inevitably, there was one person who was like, well, where were these teachers when I was in high school? Which I think is a really shitty, yep. simplistic take. And I was encouraged by the torrent mm. of responses saying fuck your perspective she's a pedophile she's a victimizer yeah. you know and like really really like laid it on the line so 
I was happy to see that. It's there's a real it, kind of an inequality. Like you see a teacher, a male teacher has relationship with one of his female students, and everybody goes ooh. And then you see a female teacher who has a relationship with one of her male students, and everybody's like, yay. You know, yeah, those are both uh, yucks. Neither of those are yums. No. So that made me, that was something that happened on the internet this week that made, made me feel good. That's how bad uh, the world is, is when you see one little thing like that and you, you feel encouraged to put, you know, by humanity <clears throat> that people will call out pedophiles and victimizers regardless yeah. of their gender or their ap- physical appearance. Someone on the internet said murder, boo. And I was like, yes, finally, someone is against murder. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Okay, okay. So, Question one. Question one. As a a He-Man tough guy quasi-hermit, what sorts of little creature comforts do you like that people might might not expect you to like, even given the fact that we've talked about most most of these things on the show before, probably? But go on. Well, there was one thing that, that came to mind. I can't remember if it was Steve Elms. Or Corey Blackwood. I think it was Corey Blackwood came to my house. Corey, who's Corey? Corey Blackwood. He did. Uh, he did. He owns. Uh, what's the record store called? Ritual Records. Thank you. It, I know it begins with an R. And there's three words that come to my mind before the actual name of the shop. I'm going to get it eventually. I've never been there, but I feel like I'm their top spokesperson. <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he was inside sales at Kona Bicycles for a long time, and that's when I met him. And then he's done a couple of. Just kind of general shitty retail management positions until he uh, bit the bullet and bought this local re- record store and is absolutely killing it. Uh, I mean, I don't know if he's killing it financially, but the record store is a destination <laughs> and it is it is increasingly a place that I want to go to. And he always has good stuff and it's the stock has increased and he's I'm going to be doing a mural there at some point oh. in the near future and. He's talking, he just bought a DJ setup and he's talking about having live shows a la Amoeba Records in Berkeley and San Francisco. So that's exciting. super cool shit. Um, why did I bring that? Oh, so, okay. So yeah, he comes over to the house and I'm like curled up on the sofa and I have this television show on called Too Cute and it's just about baby animals. <laughs> and an episode might be, it like follows um, birth to adoption for uh, various breeds of puppies and kittens, or it might just be an episode about a bunch of little baby animals that are friends with each other. <laughs> and it's narrated by this guy who kind of sounds like the guy who did Winnie the Pooh's voice. Oh. And it's all this, you know, cute sort of whimsical sort of nursery music. And uh, so I'll, I'm watching Too Cute, which is, you know, like a very sweet show. And Corey comes in and he says something like, oh, what? Like, like the fucking punk rock, like, you know, legendary Steve Knievel, like curled up under a blanket watching Too Cute. And I said, you know, he's, and he was kind of tongue in cheek, but I was like, I can't do that stuff without doing this stuff. You know, yeah. this was like era of inner bike and stuff. I can't go and like fully debauch for five days without recharging my batteries. I can't, I can't live a hundred miles an hour all the time, you know? Yeah. And he's like, well, yeah, I get that. So <clears throat> I don't think Robert Ives and I are both, you know, you look at Robert and he's like, you know, tattooed metal bender, 
you know, blue burns, collar bikes, Robert Ives. Yes. Yeah. Burns stuff like he, you know, he and I were locked at the hip for a long time doing like total shenanigans. However, if he found a little plush uh, stuffed animal, like a, a cute little monkey with it, like wearing a hat in a store or something, he, he would buy it just because <laughs> it's like a fun, cute little toy. Sure. It's the, the yen and the yang, you know, like I, I really like, I like fucking unassuming qualities or, or, or uh, qualities that you wouldn't assume in people you think, you think you got them figured out, but they got little curveballs like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. I mean, and when I, the setup to this question, uh, referring to you as a He-Man tough guy, quasi hermit, um, was in the full knowledge that you and I both really like scented candles and, oh, and y- you like to take a warm bath. Uh, I, love, I love baths. I could, I could probably take two baths a day if I, you mm. know, they're not ecologically super sound. <laughs> um, so I don't take two baths a day, <clears throat> but yeah, Epsom salt baths are great. I just found this one. There's like, you can get, I guess you can get bulk Epsom salt at like a feed store for way cheaper than you can get it at a, at a grocery store. Do people Epsom salt bathe their horses? I don't know what, I don't know what it's used for. I don't know what it's used oh, it for. Has other in, uses. In bulk purposes. Yeah. Wow. But, um, I mean, it's a muscle relaxer. It's a laxative. So maybe I, I don't actually, I have no idea what it would be used for in bulk purposes, but there's okay. this, there's, I, it's like a, a clay something. It's, it's some like, like blend of Epsom salt that makes, I run one bath and my whole house smells amazing for, for like three days. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. And scented like candles to, are great. Scented candles like are scented also candles. great. A, a nice different... smelling environment is nice. Yeah. I we like have that. different tastes in scented candles though, because you like lavender. I do, and it's only because I heard years ago that it was sort of like a natural mood enhancer. Oh. I like all the the pine, cedar, balsam. I like the, you know, I like the woods, and I like the, even the artificial uh, smell in my house. I like that a lot. Um, Oh, I just had something. I guess you're clear of the artificial smells. I don't, I don't trust like the glade sprays and shit. Oh no, no, no. I don't do any of that stuff. I like that. Um, Oh, I don't trust that stuff. Yeah. But I do. Yeah. I can't like a nice smelling environment. It's it's very comforting to me. This is, and it's all like, I don't think I ever gave a shit about any, I never thought about any of this before I lived with someone. And then I realized like, Oh, this is like, you know, it's okay to be, <clears throat> really super comfortable in your environment and whatever it takes to be really super comfortable, uh, you know, sh- obviously short of pedophilia is totally, <laughs> <That's right. laughs> is totally, is totally fine. That's We're really great. dropping the truth bombs in this show. <laughs> um, you know, my wife makes fun of me when I bring home scented candles. I mean, she's, she's, she's she like, it. she's like, well, I think she does like it, but she's like, John, did you buy another scented candle? <laughs> You bet I did. You know, and they're fucking expensive. Like the nice ones. Yeah, they are. Oh, oh, they just that that I don't like that part. <laughs> yeah, I like having them in my place, and I like the way they make it smell. But I don't like paying for them. 
No, I agree with that. But the, getting back to like at the very beginning, you brought up matchbooks. Um, do you remember the beginning of the show at all? At the beginning, you brought up matchbooks, and I was thinking, um, and this is just coming to me now that I like. There's like a ritualization of comfort that I really like. So, like, if I, I buy these, I go to the hardware store and I buy these like big boxes of matches. Mm-hmm. Um which I light candles with and I just, or I make a fire in the fireplace or whatever. Um, and there's something very um, like to have a ritual, I think where you like strike a match and you do a thing and then you get the, the comforting part. I think that's, there's something very awesome there. Hmm. Trying to think. I don't think I have anything like that. I mean, just getting, uh, well, I mean, you know, going on like a long, cold ride, which is apparently all I ever do anymore. Um, getting home and like getting out of wet clothes, getting out of ski boots, getting out of, you know, whatever yeah, the yeah. thing is that like where you've been uh, active, activity, activity, activity yep. all day and and like making yourself comfortable with the knowledge you know you've got the you've got the experience you've got the endorphins or the whatever happens when you exercise or go forward under your own momentum and then you get out of the clothes in which you were doing that activity and get into you get clean and you get into dry clothes like that is very comforting emotionally and mentally in the whole thing for me yeah i agree i agree i think you come home you do the hot shower you put the sweats on, you make a hot cup of coffee, you light your, you light your balsam, uh, your balsam eucalyptus candle, you settle down on the couch, put on too cute, and you're just like, you're out. Uh, yeah, you're in Nirvana. <laughs> there was a, <clears throat> I used to live in this storefront in Oakland. It was just a big empty storefront that uh, a housemate and I renovated. Well, we didn't even renovate it. We built rooms. We built lofts. We put a kitchen in. It was big. We had, you know, he moved out. I had a shop space. I had a studio. It was, it was great. But it was the kind of place that you like, if you went in, you were guaranteed, 100% guaranteed to get a splinter <laughs> somewhere. You know, yeah. it was, it was pretty, it was pretty raw. It was pretty raw, but it was, I really loved that space. Um, and I used to go, I heard, I was working for an art installation company and I like fucked up a, my back. It turns out I had a fractured process in one of my lower vertebrae and it was Ouch. impinging a nerve, some of the nerves. And so I had essentially what felt like really profound, uh, sciatica yeah. that radiated. And I, you know, I couldn't, I was on, so I was on disability for a year and, um, I asked a physical therapist. I did PT once a week and massage and all this stuff. I mean, it was, I was in Nirvana. It was incredible. And I asked a physical therapist, is it okay if I ride my bike? And she was like, Oh, I, it would be the best thing for you. So I was riding, you know, five days a week, drinking my face off, like raging <laughs> with my friends. Like I hadn't, I didn't have it. I was getting paid. I didn't have a care in the world for a year. But one of the things that I loved the more than anything is I'd wake up I'd have coffee, eat breakfast, go on a ride, come home, 
uh, lay down on this junk sofa that I found on the street. This was back when you could like take furniture, refrigerators or whatever off the street. They had a junk night and there was like, you could just go take whatever you want, wanted from in front of people's homes. And like half the stuff in my place was, I picked up off sidewalks. So I had this, it was cool, you know, comfy sofa. And I'd lay down on that watching whatever TV. And I would, every time I would wake up and my cat would be like balled up in, in the crook of my body, like in the middle of my body. And, um, and then I would paint and then I would go to somebody's house and drink a million beers. And then I would do it all over again the next day. It was, it was a perfect, the best time of your life. It really was. And I just started seeing my ex and I had this little great little community, but it was like that process, that sort of ritual, that schedule Mm. was absolutely. And I knew, you know, they always, people always say, Oh, well, you know, in hindsight, I wish that I'd really acknowledged like how blissful this point in my life was or whatever. But every day was, I woke up and I was excited to do it all over again. So that was, you know, I mean, that was, there was nothing uncomfortable about that. It was a, it was a perfect existence mm. really. Um, there's, a, there's something about, um, not having advanced needs like the thing with comfort is it kind of goes both ways, right? Like you, you, you cultivate this experience that's like luxurious and nice and it sort of fucks up your ability to enjoy living in a place where splinters happen all the time, but it's actually great. Yeah, it was good. That that place was great. I was paying, I, I ran power. I found this weird big box in the wall and it was pre-metered power. So I basically just ran all of the power for the place from pre-metered power. So I didn't have to pay for electricity. Um, I think I was paying 600 bucks a month for 1400 square feet. You know, this was before the ghost ship fire and before weed was legalized and like, there's nothing like this exists now. All industrial or semi-industrial spaces are either, They've been co-opted and the tech industries, you know, that sort of had an influence. And, um, and then when the ghost ship fire, any space, it was almost any space, like from Vancouver to San Diego, any like, you know, quote artist space or illicit workspace basically just got shut. Mm. Um, so that was kind of like, you know, it was kind of the, the twilight of, like an actual live workspace, you know, mm-hmm. now you get a shitty apartment for three times as much. And that's, those are my options. But at um, least you can take a Epsom salt bath and uh, burn some okay. scented candles up in I that do, place. I do like having a bathtub. I don't think I could live in a place without a bathtub anymore. Mm. Um, what's another, uh, the first Justin Timberlake record. Love that. I love but, it. But what? Yeah. The first Justin Timberlake record. It was well, produced into- by uh, Pharrell. <clears throat> and it's What's awesome. on that record? Uh, there's a song called Senorita. There's a song called Rock Your Body, I think. Oh, yeah, Rock Your know. Body. Sure. It, it was Maybe that's the name of the song. I, don't, I can't remember song names. But from the first time I heard that, I was... It's very... Like, everything Pharrell touches is is gold except for like his own music. I don't know. I don't like his own music, but I like all the production that he does for everybody else. Mm. You know, Gwen Stefani. Yeah. Uh, Hollaback girl. 
I've heard I've heard of her. Yep. When I first got my computer, first computer, like my first iMac, when I started doing how to avoid the bummer life, I yeah. sat down, plugged it in, turned the internet on. First thing I did was watch that video. Oh. Yeah. I I wouldn't have picked you for a a uh, a, a hollerback boy. I love pop. I love pop music. Well, well this gets into question 2. Question 2 is the term guilty pleasures is dumb. Un- True. Unless unless you're a pedophile <laughs> in which case <laughs> get help. <laughs> But otherwise, what sorts of stuff do you enjoy that maybe that maybe people you or other people think you're not supposed to like? I would say that the first Justin Timberlake record would be one. Uh, yeah, yeah. First Justin Timberlake record. Um, you know, I was thinking about this this morning and uh, there's a band called Transition that used to they were from San Francisco and they had a record on SST. And um. They, they, they played, uh, they had a show in Santa Barbara. I think they played with like RKL and scared straight and they played a place called the Anaconda club. I think anyway, we drove down there. They asked me if I wanted to come along and we drove down and I was thinking, you know, this was 1992 or something. And I was like, these guys are going to, you know, we're going to listen to metal the whole way or punk rock records or whatever. And, and, uh, I think we listened to a lot of Rush and Frank Zappa <laughs> and Sisters of Mercy, I think, and probably some Cure. And then I realized, like, oh, you know, you don't have to, like, you can just listen to what you think sounds good, you know? Yeah. You don't, you're not, you're not, uh, you're not confined by, well, I'm a punk rocker and I just listen to punk or I'm a metal yeah. head and I just yeah. listen to metal. And I think what, what finally broke the dam for me was, um, I, I was, a there's a band from Seattle, <clears throat> Seattle area called green river. Oh yeah. And when green river broke up, half of the people went into a band called mother love bone. And then half the people went into a band called mud honey and mother love bone was not really my cup of tea. And then uh, I think his name was Andrew Wood, the singer of Mother Love Bone died. And then, you know, grunge or whatever, must must rock or whatever, musty, moldy, mold rock. It started, that was like the flavor of the week. And then Mother Love Bone broke up and became Pearl Jam. And I was like, no, fuck Pearl Jam. I don't want to listen to it. I don't care. Like those guys are just kind of dial a style. You know, they're not they have no investment in this scene that, that I hold dear. Mm. And then I didn't listen to, I didn't listen to the first 10, I guess the name of the record is I didn't listen to it for years. Well, in hindsight, it seemed like it was like 20 years, but it was probably like three years. And then I listened to it and I was like, well, shit, this is actually really fucking good. <laughs> so I have to own it, everything, like whatever it sounds good. I don't give a shit. I'm not going to get into politics. I'm not going to get into like, you know, band history or what I'm supposed to listen to based on who I am or what my, 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 you know, whatever style genre, my directive in life is. I'm not, I can't, you know, if it sounds good, I'm just, I'm just going to go for it. If it feels good, I'm going to go for it. If, yeah, I think I learned that lesson from my friend Chris, who was 
he was in some big local bands here, like Sinkhole, Doc Hopper. He, we all, we worked together at um, Guitar Center for a while, and he worked in the warehouse, and he would come in and he would put music in every day. And I remember one day he came and he put in uh, the Go Go's, and. I was like, why the fuck are you listening to the Go-Go's? Now, I didn't dislike the Go-Go's, but I just didn't think that the Go-Go's were going to be his bag. And he's mm-hmm. like, oh, this is this is this is just pop punk, man. The Go-Go's were pop punk before there was pop punk. And I think I just that sort of broke my broke me out of like, oh, I shouldn't listen to X. Like I was younger then, obviously. And I was I think it was. I, I was like, oh, you have to listen to all of these things to establish your identity. And then I was like, oh, no, no, that's bullshit. OK, right. Yeah. And so, yeah, I, I think I can listen to any genre as long as the music is kind of like honest. And I don't even know. I think my wife gets really frustrated with me because I listen to one thing and love it. And then she'll say, well, you must like this thing. And I'm like, nope, I don't like that at all. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's really it's I think it's I think it's fascinating. Um having grown up with the you know, I've, I've talked about the record collection that my dad had was was huge. So I grew up listening to I loved the Beatles. I loved Iron Butterfly. I love the Beatles. I loved um uh Cat Stevens. He had yep. um he had a the Jesus Christ Superstar soundtrack which I totally adored. Um so, you know, growing up, I had a really different, oh, and the Beach Boys, holy shit, loved when I was in first grade. Endless Summer, I don't think there was a record that I could have loved more. It was just absolutely checked all of my seven-year-old boxes. Um, and I think that, you know, somewhere along the way, I probably seventh grade, I was like, nope, punk rock's all there is. I'm yeah. not going to listen to anything else. All, you know, punk rock for me forever. And probably that kind of held through through high school, but, but oh no, that's not true because I was really into Joe Jackson and <laughs> stuff. I don't say like I was kind of breaking out a little bit, but um, yeah. Once I was in college, and then I decided that I just like I can't. I I'm basically denying myself all of these experiences and all of these pleasures by saying that. That this that the the this is the only stuff that I can do because this is my personality or this is what society would expect of me or something. Yeah, I mean, I think I think there's an arc to all of this. There's like a story arc to all of this. You know, I list when I was. I I think you have to. It's a little bit like um, modern art, right? So people will look at modern art and say, "Oh, I could do that," or "What's good about that?" or like they don't get it. Um, And I don't always get it either. But my point is that a lot of times what's happening in art and in music is based on what's come before. There's a story. It started here. It's evolved in this direction and it's gone there. So suddenly a blank white canvas with a single stripe on it is actually part of the story. And you might appreciate it if you had seen the other installments of the story. Mm -hmm. My oldest son right now is crazy for the Beatles. He's like discovering the Beatles and he it's all he wants to listen to. And like, I don't listen to the Beatles, but I like them. And it's part of because it was part of the story for me, you know, when I was probably. 
10, I discovered eight, nine or 10. I discovered my dad's record collection and he had Beatles records and I would put them on and listen to them. And there was this process of educating myself about what music was what. And, and you're going to, you're going to, because you're coming at them cold, you're going to understand what's good about them. Like just on their face. And then over time, like maybe you don't have to listen to that anymore because like you get it, you got that part of the story and now you want to listen to a different part of the story. And, and life is like that too, in that, you know, you go through these periods where you're like, I, you know, drink my face off and sleep on the floor. And then I evolved to actually having a nice bed is really nice. And then I evolved to a scented candle would really improve the whatever in here, but it's all just part of the story. Just because I liked to live kind of low and shitty for part of my life. Doesn't mean that the later part of the story has better stuff in it, or at least different stuff. Yeah. And Um, I think there's something, there's something to be said. I don't know. I mean, in your story, there was something to be said about me not feeling like I was worth more than that too. Yeah. Like I was kind of throwaway until I began learning that I wasn't throwaway and that I did deserve to not sleep on the floor. And I did deserve to, you know, be safe and comfortable in my environment. Um, one thing I I wanted to mention, I was like talking about the, the table of rock and roll. Like Mm. nothing that we know would exist without these four legs. Mm -hmm. And then I decided there was probably, there's five legs. (laughs) Like I had to shift. I know I, it was, it was hard. It wasn't a hard decision, but I contend. And I love, I love talking about this because I, you know, people are like, well, what about big band? I mean, big band wouldn't, John Bonham wouldn't, he was influenced by, you know, it's like, fuck that. It's, it's the people that bridged what came before with absolutely no blueprint to what came after. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, we can, we can agree that nothing rock and roll wouldn't exist at all without the blues, but the blues didn't have rock and roll in mind. So no. I say, I say it's the Beatles like them or not. Everyone, everyone has been influenced by the Beatles. Mm-hmm. Um, Black Sabbath, mm-hmm. the Stooges, uh, Robert Johnson and Chuck Berry. Without those four people, rock and roll wouldn't exist. And I will, I won't, I won't even argue the point because I'm, I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) I think that you will argue the point. Uh, uh, You may be right, but I think you will enjoy arguing the point forever. I'm not going to argue with you. Um, It's a fun, it's a fun debate. You know, there's people, I know people who like music theorists and people who know way more about music than I do. I don't know if I can anything. This is just like. This just seems just it just seems like the, uh, uh, infallible, unflappable. It just seems like it's it's like the truth. It just that's how it feels for me. I buy that. I accept it. I mean, and it makes it makes my mind spin a little bit because I I really like music that seems to come out of nowhere. And the best example for me is Bad Brains. You know, you have a a bunch of black dudes who are accomplished jazz musicians and sort of free thinkers. And they think, you know what? We're going to invent hardcore. We're just going to invent this other music and we're going to get imitated by like a bunch of, for no reason we can figure out angry middle-class white kids (laughs) who are all going to imitate us and make like their own angry music. But we're doing something that they don't, they don't really understand. Yeah. I think that's what I like so much about music documentaries is that you can find you you can 
uh, see the lineage. Yeah. You know, you'd, you'd be a documentary about, you know, interviews with Dr. No um, or Daryl. And they say, uh, you know, like, oh, the sun rose and set on X band for me. Like who influenced those guys? Yeah. And then who influenced those guys? You know, it always goes back to the Beatles. <laughs> Dio, Dio wouldn't exist without the Beatles. Yeah. Sabbath wouldn't exist without the Beatles. Motorhead wouldn't exist without the Beatles. And without yeah. Metallica wouldn't exist without the Beatles. You know, you don't yeah. hear the influence, but the, it, it's undeniable. And, it, and the Beatles really wouldn't exist without Chuck Berry. Exactly. And what's really interesting to me is that, you know, people say, I don't like the Beatles, or I think the Stones were more influential. But the Beatles, if I'm, I could be totally out of my mind on this, but I think the Beatles predated the Stones. And the Beatles... They came up with that from thin air, essentially, and and obviously, you know, blues, black music, and stuff like that. But they, nothing like what the sounds they were making existed anywhere in history. Yeah, they put so, all of those little puzzle pieces together. Yeah, it's true. I love it. I think it's super cool. But I don't really like the Beatles. <laughs> I like. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't listen to them. I don't listen to them, but I do love them. And there are certain things that I like there. I am the walrus is a punk rock song that got written in like 1966 or 67. Um, <clears throat> but we're way off track again. Sort of um, other creature comforts. I don't know. I love remote control trucks. I love it so much. I go to sleep watching remote control truck videos and I wake up watching remote control truck videos. I've had people stay over, and the first thing I want them to see is uh, some remote control video that I found. <laughs> I think I don't know what it is. It's wholesome. It's relaxing. I love that I thought it was the dumbest thing I'd ever come across on the internet, like only like seven years ago. And well, now I'm just a fucking kid in a candy shop. I think you and I both grew up. So we've talked about adventure people before and adventure mm -hmm. people were like the non licensed. So if you think uh, in the, in the late seventies, star Wars action figures started to be a thing. And mm -hmm. I loved star Wars and I love star Wars action figures. The adventure people were like, if someone just said, well, we're going to make action figures for, just exciting regular life stuff. There was no it's, franchise. It's Princess Leia, except she doesn't have her hair like that, and she's wearing cargo shorts. That's Fuck, right. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> Luke and they Skywalker had all these, has like, a beard. They had jeeps and helicopters and stuff. And so you and I had some of this stuff. And I think we also, I also had some of the Evil Knievel toys, where you mm -hmm. would like wind up Evil Knievel and make him jump over stuff. And sure. I look at remote control trucks as like. When we were that age, we were like, what if these helicopters could really fly? What if I could drive this truck without like pushing it around with my hand? Well, now, yes. now what the truck drives itself or like yeah. I can control it. But I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's, it's, it's a, a dream. It's a, it's a perfect extension of that. All I ever wanted. I dreamt of having stomper four by fours and I could shrink myself down, but I wasn't fragile. So like if the truck fell down the stairs, I wasn't going to get completely obliterated. <laughs> right. I mean, that's, like I, I thought so hard on this stuff. It was like, it was like borderline obsession. And now, yeah, now I have trucks and I get to go and like get lost in my imagination. And I, 
I saw, I came across this one dude and he has videos. I didn't even know that scale trucks could look so realistic. So I saw, you know, I was like, holy shit, this dude is absolutely destroying his truck. And then I realized that it was just a scale model, but he had like ladders and pallets and all this stuff in the back of his truck, which flew out when he was driving out of these bumps. And it just, it, it tickled me so much. And I will go, <clears throat> now I have a truck and I just got like, Forty dollars worth of miniature fucking gas cans and nitrous <laughs> tanks and stuff yesterday, <laughs> and um, there's a guy named so uh, his biz his business is called Sorry, and he makes like professional grade fingerboards, like aluminum cast trucks with urethane bushings and wheels and little bearings, and he's done two boards for me um, of graphics. Uh, from boards that I've released. Yeah. And so I have these like scale skateboards in the back of the truck and, and to shoot a slow motion video and I'm just like by myself, you know, like I'm by myself, probably, I don't know, 60% of my waking hours, but I'm in the woods and I find like a little incline or a little jump and I shoot slow motion videos of the truck launching and all of the shit falling out of the back of it. And then it's just like tiny things all over the ground. Like I don't even focus on that because that, that part really stresses me out. Yeah. But then I'll watch the video and it's just this rainbow of detritus. Like it, and I've I'm seen like, them. I'm, I love them. I just laugh. I laugh so hard. I'm just by myself, like in absolute delirium. And and, you know, also, you know, I like used to make fun of like whatever rollerbladers because like, I'm a skateboarder and skateboarders are supposed to make fun of rollerbladers and scooter kids. And like once I got into remote control trucks, it was like, well, I can't make fun of anything about it, anybody about anything now forever. Except That's for pedophilia. a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. <coughs> well, we have to get to the would you rather now, but I want to make a point which will actually bring us to the would you rather. And it's this. As adults, we close ourselves off to fun. Or we, so change, yeah, we, or we change, like society tells us that our, our perspective of fun should, oh, I just like dinner parties. I just like dinner parties. and Oh, that was fun. And, and like, you know, but again, it's like, why bike riding is ridiculous and sophomoric. Skateboarding is ridiculous and sophomoric, but those things are like, embraced at least within our immediate and extended communities as being like except that's cool that's cool that's actually cool but like all this other stuff is dumb yeah and i guess what i'm trying to say is it's all of this stuff that is childish whether it's riding bikes in the woods and going off jumps or remote control trucks or whatever it all has tremendous value towards quality of life, much like the would you rather, which can be <laughs> like an eight-year-old's dream. And people are like, come on, don't talk about that. That's gross. That's immature. I mean, lean in, guys. Like, just mm. accept mm. 20 engorged ticks into your mouth. <laughs> I feel like I feel like you broke this whole process with the ch the vanilla shake or the chocolate shake. Yeah, the secret ingredients like that was the thing that like turned every like totally turned everybody off. 
I'm just shocked that I did it and it wasn't something you said. I think the trucker bomb <laughs> one where we were talking about Capri Sons of Trucker Piss was the turning point. <laughs> At least the vanilla shake full of horse semen is uh, a good source of protein. Uh, I, it was just such a funny thing. You know, it was basically like, that was the game that we played in bike shops where we were trying to, you're standing next to somebody for eight hours a day. Like you run out of shit to talk about. So then you just start, you try to freak the other person out. You know, it's like five days a week in working at Santa Cruz bikes was the same way. My buddy Garen and I were, I saw him more than I saw my partner. Yeah, Like I was with this dude. Until he broke me because like he was younger at this point. He's one of my dearest friends. I love him. If you follow the Santa Cruz uh, Instagram feed, there's uh, it's called um, shop visit Friday or something. And Garen will take you through and like, you know, I mean, he started working there after I did. And now he's I don't even know what his title is, but he's now. Yeah, (laughs) he's really well entrenched in the in the company he's you know he's invested professionally and personally and uh he's just one of the one of the sweetest dudes i love him so much and um at the time though he had this uncanny uh inability to never keep a thought from being verbalized (laughs) everything that crossed his mind he would say and it was just fucking relentless and we were about to go on Christmas break and I just unleashed on him. I mean, all I had to do was wait a few more hours and then I wouldn't have to see him for two weeks. And I hurt his feelings. Like I, I pulled no punches and I said horribly mean things to him and they made him, it made him very sad and it took us, (laughs) took us a little while to recover, Uh, which thankfully, you know, we have, um, Oh, anyway, so I'm with this dude all day, every day. And the people that I worked with at bike shops all day, every day. And in order to be able to survive that relationship, you've got to find some uh, sort of sometimes you got to find some curious middle ground. And that's where the would you rather's come from. I I feel like it's a it's a stupid bath. It's like uh, you're trying to be smart all the time. All the time trying to be smart. What's the best way to make this cup of coffee? Oh, what's the best way to do this thing that I got to do for my job? What's the best? What would be the smartest way to uh, parent my children? And then I just need a stupid bath. I, live I feel for like it. the would you rather is a perfect little stupid bath. And it gets you out of your head and it, get, it kind of helps you, you know, cut, get a kind of idea of the cut of your own jib and the, and the jib of those around you. I don't know. So, yeah. Uh, again, last week, I think I came up with a cup, like a couple and I did, I got a couple again today. All right, let's have them. Uh, would you rather be able to see your friends whenever you want, but only electronically Mm. or only see as many people as you could fit into a 24 hour visit once a year? Oh, you see your, you know, you see your wife and your kids, but those are the only people that you'll interact with outside of, you know, this sort of situation. We can have Skype visits or you can, you know, Skype visit with, oh, I, you see your mom too. But otherwise, <laughs> like anybody else, you'd, you got to just visit with electronically. Um, 
So my choice is see everybody electronically all the time or see don't see anyone but you can see everyone one day a year in person mm-hmm. jeez that's tough that is i like this one because it's two bad options that's the best <laughs> thing about would you rather sometimes they're gross there's never a uh, there's never a prefer well i mean there's always something that makes a little bit more sense or that's a little bit more palatable, but. <clears throat> but the answer here Rarely. is probably see everybody online all the time, right? Like if I'm <sighs> going to see nobody except my immediate family. Yeah. Except one day a year. Yeah. Ah, that is really rough. It would, your relationships would definitely suffer. Now, could I, I could email people. Sure. But it's, this is about seeing them, right? This is about in, seeing in, any, them. any engagement is electronic. Mm. Like no more high fives, no more hugs, no more. And, and this is tricky for me because I, then I would, I wouldn't see anyone. Like I don't see anyone. I, I don't, I see my parents, so I would see them, um, but I wouldn't see anyone else. No confidant. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I would answer this. I don't know how I would answer this one. I got to see people. I think I would see people online all the time. That's what I would go for. But it would be tough. To not have any physical engagement with anybody. Yeah. That would fucking kill me. Um, yeah. But to, to save it up for one day a year. That'd be overwhelming. It'd be too yeah, much. It'd be too much. And, and you haven't interacted with anybody in a year. And then you all of a sudden have forgotten how to, how to have a conversation. I don't know how to hug anymore. And now I'm doing inappropriate things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I probably would go for the electronic as well, which is just such a fucking dismal thought, but, uh, we're on the, I guess we're on the same page there. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I basically don't ever see anybody except electronically anyway, so it's... <laughs> I feel it's, like you and Donkey Lobe Greg uh, meet up in the woods <laughs> four days a week uh, and, get, yeah, and well, just, like, brood I, and complain together. It, I got a... He, you know, he's grumpier than I am. It's wild. <laughs> he, he is a fucking that, grouch. That's good for you. But there's also... So, like, there's, like, different shades of Greg. Uh, and my favorite version of greg is finger guns tony i think his nickname <laughs> is <laughs> and he is just deliriously happy like he is the he is a, the brightest version of of himself oh. he's he's a he's a complicated man Shape he's so mad and he's so grumpy yet at the same time he is just del just out of his mind psyched i don't <laughs> I'm, i don't know i don't know what to make of him hmm. Um, yeah, I got Joe, I got Greg, I got uh, my, my newest, uh, my own, really the only friend. Well, no, that's not true. But my newest, one of my newest friends, his name's cocaine, Josh. <laughs> and I like him a lot. He's uh -huh. a drummer. He's a drummer. He's really cool. Um, yeah. Okay. So we're going to, we're just going to see, we're going to old boy it basically and see people electronically. He didn't old boy being the Korean psychological thriller if people haven't seen that i encourage oh, I it I don't see the that. one with josh brolin 
Don't see the one with Josh Brolin. See the original one. All right. Okay, there's a great fight scene in it, too, in the original that is just unfucking real Uh, So, there's my recommendation. Now, the other one. Do you know, uh, have you ever worked in a restaurant? Oh, yes. Have you ever had to clean out a grease trap? I've never cleaned the grease trap in a restaurant, but I have cleaned... I have... I have had restaurant cleaning experiences that I don't want to have again. Okay. The grease trap is basically where all of yes. the sludge winds up and it yeah. is it is hell on earth it is rancid and it smells worse than a thousand corpses it is fucking horrible i still have ptsd and i haven't even been near one since i was in high school it is yeah. it is the worst sludge on earth so with that in mind, <laughs> would you rather spend a day wearing a mask made of uh, grease trap uh, material? You know, so it's like a, like a mud mask, like you go to yep. a spa, yeah. But but you have a mask made, so it's a day of grease trap stuff. Or spend, and this is twelve hours. Like this is you know, yeah, twelve hour shift. Or spend a twelve-hour shift with a gallon bag, like a gallon. Like a, <laughs> uh, if you've ever used photograph paper, it comes in these plastic bags and they fit perfectly on your head. And you pop <laughs> them on, and they're like stacked. They look like chef hats. Yep. Um, somebody puts like a, let's say like a coffee cup full of fleas into it, and then and then you <sighs> affix it to your to your head, so you have a bag full of fleas on on your head for twelve hours. Oh, wow. You know, uh, while you were setting that up, and it was a really long, torturous setup. (laughs) (laughs) While you were setting that up, I was like, I can't wait to hear what he's going to say after the grease trap, because I'm definitely not taking the grease trap. But the fleas are a no for me. That's a no. Fleas on my head for 12 hours? They would be the baddest happiest fleas in the in the land when i was a kid we lived in alabama we had these friends and they had a saint bernard and i always felt like it was kind of mean to have a saint bernard in alabama the dog was like never not drooling all over itself Mm -hmm. but it was also horribly flea ridden and so you would go over to their house like we i would go over there to play with their kids and we'd be like rolling around on the carpet i'd be like ow what what the heck like all these itchy little bites gross Oh, it's terrible. I never terrible. knew. I never knew about fleas. Like growing up in Colorado, we didn't. We had horse flies. Horse flies, and yeah. maybe like an odd tick if you were down in the lowlands. Yeah, mosquitoes. And that was it. And then I and then I moved to California for college. First week I was in town, I stayed on my sister's sofa in this house she lived in in Berkeley, and I just got ravaged. And I'm like, what the fuck is this? I, I circled them. It looked like. I like I circled every bite on my legs. They just out of boredom one day. I had like <laughs> yeah. I had like 500 bites on my legs. Like I was just getting annihilated and then and then I realized, you know, you live in a dirty college house with a cat and you're going to they you know. Yeah. So I was like I didn't even know what a flea was and then I wound up 
you know, they're everywhere. Yeah. I, well, I was and I blissfully think, unaware. I think the flea elimination technology is pretty strong now. So like Django yeah. doesn't have any fleas, but yeah, I'm going to go with the grease trap face. <sighs> it's going to smell so bad and you're going to have such uh, biblical amounts of breakouts afterwards. I know, but the fleas, man, the fleas and fleas carry diseases and like, yeah, you were going to have to shave your head and do some sort of medical, like both it's of these true. is a medical emergency. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'd well, both of these is a story you can't tell at the emergency room. <laughs> walk into the ER at hour 12, 12, yeah. oh, one. With a yeah. bag, taking a bag of fleas on the top of your head. Yeah. Oh, you'd just be so, you'd be so itchy, so ravaged. Okay. Uh, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm going to go with that. I'm going to go with the grease trap face mask too. Grease trap face. I keep thinking like you, I had this experience. I worked at a Tex-Mex place in Alabama. I think we've talked about this before and I was the bus boy. This was high school and I had to, you would take these enormous garbage cans. You would drag them out to the dumpster. They didn't have, they didn't have wheels. Because right. no one had thought of wheels on heavy garbage cans yet. <laughs> but also, it's not anybody else's problem because you're the dishwasher. So you got to people yeah. really. I don't know how it is working in kitchens now, but you, like you were like sub basement on the totem pole. Yeah. As a dishwasher. And you would drag this thing out to the dumpster so many times that actually there was no bottom on it either. Check. And, and they would use like two mil garbage bags because yep. no one thought of making a garbage bag that didn't tear either. So you'd have like this, this basic, basically like 60 pound bag of rancid refried Rotten beans, trash. cheese yeah. and rice yes. in yes. the Alabama heat. And then you would try to get this dumpster up and over the edge on yeah. um, the garbage can up and over the edge of the dumpster. And I remember one time just like fully taking <laughs> like 50 gallons of this stuff down the front of me like pretty much at the beginning of the shift this like, is amazing this is amazing because i like like you said last week you stole some lifesavers when you were seven years yeah. old and i stole a chocolate blood football when i was seven years old yeah you have a nightmare uh garbage into dumpster scenario one of your first dishwashing jobs yeah likewise as do I. I mean, we really are kind of like we've had these this weird parallel experience. We and we have met in person <clears throat> and didn't kill each other. That feels like a mistake in retrospect. But yeah, I remember like forty pounds of beans, rice, and cheese down like rancid beans, rice, and cheese too. Not fresh, not fresh. Like it's been cooked, it's been served, it's been not eaten, and then it's been scraped off the plate in the like 90 degree heat in the dishwashing room. And yeah. then it sat there and like fermented for a bit. And then, Hey John, can you take out the garbage? You know, but, how old were you? Probably like 15 or 15, something. Yeah. Yeah. So like you're, you're a 120 pound kid taking a 120 pound garbage can yeah. to a dumpster that is just shorter. The lip of which is just shorter than you are tall. Yes, it's it's like it's like the universe just said, all right, boys, you suck. Yeah. Go forward anyway. Or as if the universe was like, well, you're almost an adult. You might escape childhood with some shred of hope. We're going <laughs> to extinguish that now. 
I like your version better. Uh, okay, I'm gonna do, I'm gonna bang out the outro. Do it. We're a min, minute, uh, hour and thirteen minutes. This oh, is pretty good. Too far. Uh, thanks for listening to Revolting. You're a real champ. Right now, <clears throat> we don't have a sponsor, so the only income we have for this dazzling entertainment extravaganza is from your subscription to the Cycling Independent website. Go there. Do that, please. Uh, there's also a tip charge, just in case you don't want to commit to a subscription. Either way, hug us a couple bucks so we can eat tonight. Thanks. On behalf of the Cycling Independent, I'm Steve. I'm Robot. Don't forget to suck it. Yeah.